Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordane Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing a like probably rightfully forgotten film called How to Be a Player or as it is stylized Def Jam's How to Be a Player which means that Def Jam paid for this movie. Yeah, Def Jam made this movie possible in they all of its glory. And they have only made two movies. There was this one and then one from 2018 called The After Party. So I don't know if that means that the Def Jam is going to go back to making movies. But Oh my gosh. Honestly, I would be fascinated to see that. 2021 Def Jam movies. Yeah, this is just so interesting because this means that like Def Jam was riding on people liking this movie. And this movie is really not the kind of film that you should have anything riding on. Absolutely not. This is the kind of movie like even like the most uh, successful best version of this would still be the kind of movie that you make because you want to make it right. You make it because you think it'll be fun. You want to have actors you like or you want to work with people you like working with but it's not it's not a debut movie to get people into a franchise or a brand I guess is a better way of saying it yeah absolutely not this film was directed by Lionel C. Martin who has only directed one other movie that I really don't believe exists called Long Shot from 2001 that that somehow has Justin Timberlake in it and also Britney Spears, and also, like, it has the entirety of Sync in this movie. I feel like you and I need to watch that movie just to, just to know for sure that it actually exists and possibly report back on the podcast as, you know, an act of journalism. Yes, yeah. So it was written by Mark Brown, who actually we've already covered on the podcast because he wrote and dir- uh, actually no, we did we haven't covered this movie because it's good. He wrote and directed Two Can Play That Game. I think I was thinking that because I mentioned it. I think as a yeah, suggestion. Yeah, I a think bunch. that was one of your suggestions on our last episode. So it makes sense that it's fresh in the brain. Yes, and and Mark Brown also wrote, uh, or may probably co-wrote the first Barbershop movie. So, and also three can play that game, which is apparently a sequel to two can play that game that I'm sure is bad, and I will not watch. Uh, yeah, so like he's he's experienced; he knows how to make something fun, make something good. Well, this might have been. This was before the other one. So I guess like this was like his like test run. This must have been like his first like major script. And you can tell because it needs so many more drafts. It has. Yeah, it has first or a second maybe draft energy. It's very much like if if somebody sent it your way, you'd be like, okay, I see these ideas you have. Let's figure out how to make them work. Not, okay, yeah, let's film this. <laughs> like, yeah. So this film stars comedian Bill Bellamy, who was really, really big in the 90s. Uh, and really, unfortunately, for, I think, 
our generation, at least, like the younger millennials, he's most known as the voice for Cousin Skeeter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which so, is, like, <laughs> it's unfortunate because he genuinely has great stage presence, screen presence, however you want to put it, like as a comedian. Um, and so obviously I'm supportive of people getting voice work, but it's a bummer when you don't actually know someone, when the the general public doesn't know somebody's perspective or ability to act and perform as much as they could. Yeah. Cause I mean, he's been in, he's been in stuff. He's in love Jones. That's, that's a classic. He's in the brothers, which once again, we will be covering that soon. You know, he's, He's around and he's like a well-respected, funny comedian. I remember like I grew up like being aware of him, but I like but I was a child and I preferred Skeeter, of course. So, um. oh, yeah, absolutely. And he's like he's been married for 20 years. He has two kids. Like, Aww. yeah, <laughs> love, love a comedian who seems like a solid guy. Love a male comedian being solid. Yeah, like being a dad, being in love all of that good stuff. Whenever yeah. whenever I haven't heard as much from a comedian recently and I see that they have a family, it's not that that's the only path. Of course, I'm just like, oh, okay. It looks like you were doing something nice. Like there's a reason <laughs> you're not just out here harassing young comedians, hopefully. Yeah. Knock on wood, I yeah. never know. <laughs> always, always, always great to know that they're not um, an abuser or a harasser. So uh, the rest of the cast, we have Lark Varese, who is most known for being in the original cast of Saved by the Bell. It's yeah. It was so great to see her. She was also in the Method Man and Redmond movie How High and this black film called Civil Brand, but mostly, you know, we love her Lisa Turtle. And she's yes, really yes, not she's really not in enough of this movie. Because I will say that like just like right off the bat the most convincing performance as in convincing me that it's a human being it's Lark Varese in this movie <laughs> yeah I completely agree because so many of the ways the characters are written is cartoonish um and she feels a little more it like both her character but also her performance feel a little bit more lived in yeah yeah so um we also have just you know just like i'm just gonna rattle off names amber smith natasia williams mari moreau bernie mac i mean bernie mac um elise neal jasmine lewis beverly johnson and of course the late great natalie dessel reed most known for being a hilarious stepsister in the brandy cinderella movie love her love her so much yes rest rest in power queen uh yeah and i mean there's some there's some other people here robin harris is here for a little bit you know this is definitely the kind of movie oh my god and then there's also the guy who um played the mac you know in the movie the mac like the um the black exploitation movie and i'm trying to remember oh yeah uncle fred um yeah max, max julian, julian who plays uncle fred you know the original the mac and he also he i is just dressed exactly how you would expect like I, it like i was like wow this is plucked straight out of black exploitation like the jacket but 
<laughs> I wish that the entire movie was just him talking. Like, even if it was like incredibly misogynistic, just him talking about his exploits. I would, I would enjoy that. Just so like, much. yeah, him like in the just sitting outside holding court. He just brought so much in just a few minutes. And I was like, yeah, you're the only person that I am down to hear talk like this, <laughs> like about women specifically. Yeah. yeah. So this is uh, the story of Drayton and Dre. And he's played by Bill Bellamy. And his whole thing is that he's a player. So he's dating Lark Voorhees, uh, Lisa. He's dating Lisa. And, you know, he pretends to be serious about her. But then, like, goes about his day just fucking a bunch of different women. And what's funny is, is that the whole time, I didn't think that he had a job. And then at some point in the movie, he says that he works for Def Jam. So does that mean the Def Jam... Well, I mean, of course, because that's, like, who funded this movie. But also just... Okay, so this is a commercial for Def Jam. Well, <laughs> he's like, not, well, it's not just that; it's that he he supposedly works for Def Jam, but he spends all day, like what feels like a weekday, just doing a whole bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I know it's so funny because I spent so much of the movie trying to figure out what his job was, especially because as in many of the movies we cover, his apartment is really nice. It's really large. The layout is luxe. He has a lot of nice things furnishing it. Like it's just to the nines. And like you said, he's spending most of his time meeting up with ladies. You know, he's buying them drinks. He's he's got all this expensive uh, sex accessories he has like a, a collection of you know outfits for role play toys everything and i'm like yeah none of this is cheap and he's not really working and then it just dropped in there at one point i almost missed that i was like am i ever gonna find out if he has a job or is this just a movie where we're just cool with not knowing but that made it funnier to me because i was like what a self-roast of like <laughs> he works for def jam he doesn't like it's like a roast to be like he doesn't actually do anything <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't do anything and sometimes people will come up to him and tell him like how much they love his work and i'm just like what work like there's no sense of the work like he references it but he doesn't really say what it is and no one else does and it's hard to know like why he's so impressive that he can spend all day he basically does like a fuck tour around town like that's that's most like there are two plots it's him doing that and also like having minor anxiety about whether or not um lisa's gonna find out but then you know just like a lot of like bravado and shit and then the other side is his sister uh played by natalie who was um who goes by jenny uh jenny <laughs> god jenny's whole thing is so so Jenny is upset that her brother lies to women all the time and like fucks them all willy nilly, which is like fair. Yeah, and, valid. <laughs> and she has a friend, Katrina, who is like in her class with her. I think they do like anthropology or sociology or something. And so she decides just because she's like, she's obsessed with him being a dog that she's going to use him as like this experiment to see if they can like crack the player of Visage and get him in trouble. 
Yeah, like she basically wants to expose him. And like you said, use him as an experiment and an example because she talks a lot about how all of his friends are like him. Like they're all doing this, this group of men. And a lot of the men that she knows are acting like this. And because it's her brother, she also feels almost a sense of responsibility. Like, well, this is my brother, so I should you know, expose him and let these women know, which I'm like, yeah, I support that. But then her obsession with it becomes fascinating. It's really, okay, so apparently some guy used her and like, you know, did her wrong. And his name is Mike Jones, which I which I just kept on laughing about. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I was like, wow, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this so, is really a time capsule. <laughs> like, who? Mike Jones. It's, it's Mike Jones. That's who. He... I guess he did some shit to her or whatever. And uh, like Dre's whole thing is like, I told you that he was a dog and you didn't believe me. And she's just like, she like doesn't really acknowledge that, but still thinks that it's Dre's fault. And it's just like this whole thing where he's a bad brother. And it seems to have like mentally broken her down. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know what I kept thinking, and I, I didn't expect the movie to do this, but I was like, I think that the story, the main storyline with her trying to expose him would hit harder if we knew a little more about their childhood. Like just a few flashbacks of him tormenting her or him and his friends being mean to her or like his lies affecting her directly. Um, so that there's a little more of a foundation for obviously it makes sense to be annoyed at your brother for being a misogynist, especially when you you know what it feels like to be a woman receiving that treatment. Um, but it would add another layer if we saw, oh, there's been a longstanding uh, tension and, you know, mistreatment in their sibling relationship. And that has come to a point where she is cracked. Yeah, yeah, because she's really broken down. And what's really annoying about it is that Katrina is kind of a shitty friend. Like, I I clocked it because near the end, she actually comforts her. She comforts Jenny and asks her how she's doing. And it made me realize that she hadn't done it through most of the movie. She just lets her friend spiral and, like, says nothing. Even in situations where, like, it's clear Jenny is waiting for a response. Yeah, I noticed that too. I noticed like Jenny is emotionally heightening pretty much the whole movie. It's really not until the end that she's like, okay, in any way. And we'll obviously get to that then. But she's emotionally heightened the whole time. And nobody's validating her feelings, even though she's completely right. <laughs> like, like her feelings would be valid no matter what. But also her take on things is usually very direct and right. She's like, this is bullshit. And it's like, yeah, even other women are kind of like, yeah, I mean, you know, and she's just like, it's making her feel more anxious um i think and i think jenny would maybe she would contact the women that her brother sleeps with that dre sleeps with um regardless of what else happens but i think if anybody actually had a conversation with her where they didn't make her feel like she was being dramatic for noticing things that are in front of her eyes she would be able to calm down and realize okay i can confront my brother but also my energy is probably best used doing things for myself, you yeah. know, not obsessing over how awful my brother is. Cause you can only do so much. 
Because, yeah, because it's like she spends the entire movie having a bad time and just like in a sense of emotional stress. Meanwhile, he is doing this insane thing that I just don't believe, which is driving around, stopping the car, driving around with his friends, then leaving them in the car so that he can fuck a woman and then come back out, get back in the car and then do it again and then just leave them in the car all day except for like small interludes between houses and the friends are all very like oh my gosh like the friends are jealous because a lot of them have a similar philosophy on women but they're not successful with women in the same way so they're just like oh we got to learn from him you know like he dre dre has it figured out so they're all invested in this very voyeuristic way they're like okay tell me how it was and it's like, it feels like a music video almost, like that specific gimmick. It feels like something you would see in a four to five minute music video. And you'd Absolutely. be like, okay, like this is like a, a music video joke. Like the singer is visiting different women. Um, but in the context of a full length movie, there's a certain point where you're like, okay, uh, this was a choice. It's hard to suspend my disbelief that the friends would do this. But even so, there's a point where you're like, all right, this was communicated. Um, you know, I I wanted to see, you do see his friends trying to hit on people and it's painful, but I kind of wanted to see a little more. We see Dre a lot in his apartment. I wanted to see the contrast between him and his apartment and his friends and their apartments and Jenny, like where does she live? You know, I see when she's talking to her friends, I can't tell. Sometimes she's in Dre's apartment, but I don't know if she's at her friend's house or at hers. I want to see how different her place is from his just get a little more context so that when people are out at parties and they're out in the car, you know, I have an idea of how different that is Yeah, from yeah. their, like, nest. I mean, I feel like maybe the whole movie is a music video joke when you really yeah. think about it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's so good because, yeah, it's the only friend that we really um, get to know and it's... <laughs> I, I don't even know his name. So, I mean, I guess how well do we actually get to know him is the light-skinned one. And I only refer to him as that because he keeps on referring to himself as that. And actually his his joke is the only good recurring joke in the movie, which is that, like, light, light skin is coming back. <laughs> We've been oh, yeah. And, yeah. and he gets called beige a lot. Like, that's definitely one of the most, like, long-running jokes in it. I also love how, like, Bernie Mac's character... <laughs> okay, first of all, his character's name... I was obsessed with him. I was like, why am I... The, I relate to Bernie Mac the most in this movie. His name's Buster. <laughs> Which, like, yeah, absolutely, Buster. And, of course, you know, he's got, like, the suit and the briefcase, and he's mad at kids for being too loud. And, like, he's like, you don't vote. You're too loud. Like, you know, it's very, like... Uh, it's like Cosby before we knew about the allegations, that kind of energy. (laughs) It's It's so, he's so good because every single time he shows up, like, even if you're like, oh, I probably wouldn't like this guy if we were friends, but in the contact and like contrasted with those guys, I'm just like, yes, drag them every single time. Be meaner to them. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, exactly. Like, it's very much like if it wasn't this movie, he's got, he kind of has a Republican energy. It's very like respectability, politic energy. But in the context of this movie, he's just so angry <laughs> at these young men. And it's really funny. Like, he's just always yelling and he's like, he just wants to go home and eat a snack. And I understand wanting to go home and eat a snack. <laughs> and it's like, he's... <laughs> The woman who plays his wife is, is is Beverly Johnson. Beverly Johnson, like, ex-model Beverly Johnson. Like, if yeah. that's who I was married to, I'd be like, get away from my house. Like, yes, leave me I alone. need to go eat a snack and just, like, be in the same room as my wife. Like, please leave me in peace. <laughs> yeah, it's so, that's, that's all he wants. But instead, he has to go see all of these women he has so... Dre is with like a Jamaican woman and her accent is bad. And then he also pretends to be Jamaican when he's with her. And that's, that's a whole thing. And then there's, yeah. (laughs) they're all starting to blur together for me already. Um, No, that, so one of the hardest things about talking about this movie is the fact that the music video thing of him sleeping with different women happens so quickly. Um, Like I know who the actresses are, but we don't get to know most of the characters on any level. So you're just like, okay, cool. So he's, you know, with Beverly Johnson now who's married to Bernie Mac. Okay. Oh wait, now he's, now he's with Elise Neal, okay? And like, oh no, you don't he wasn't really with get, Elise Neal. Elise yeah, Neal you don't really is, get to place people beyond like recognizing them. Oh no, he's not with Elise Neal. Elise Neal is the one that's with the light skinned guy. Who, oh, right. Because yeah, they have yeah. the ongoing, like, yeah, it's a whole he, drawn out thing. Well, because he cheats on her and gets caught. And like, also in that scene, that scene is wild because she, like, she breaks down the door he won't let her in so he, she breaks down the door and it's just like this this long violent altercation <laughs> yes oh yes 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 yeah the cheating scene and that's that's one of the things about this movie is so much of this movie is either men getting caught for cheating mostly it's mostly uh men getting caught for cheating or trying to not get caught and a lot of it is dre not getting caught of course because he's you know, that his voiceover is talking about like a player never gets caught. And so he shows us, you know, not getting caught, except of course his sister knows. And, you know, she tells, um, she tells Lark Voorhees, AKA Lisa. And so it's like, she's like, okay, we're going to expose him. So he doesn't know he's already been caught, but we're, we're seeing him like try to not get caught. And then, and then his friend immediately gets caught. (laughs) His friend can't even, like, his friend can't, I, I love how I'm like, his friend can't even cheat. <laughs> like, like, it's it, funny. It is, like, he can't. He's trying, yeah. he can't. And they're all, like, trying to copy the Mac, uh, <laughs> Uncle Fred, Max Julian. So it's just funny to, like, to look at, like, a real pimp and then to look at these guys. Like, and I'm just like, come on. Like, it's just why are you even trying even like bill bellamy has a lot of sex in this movie and he definitely seems to be having a fun time but there's nothing about it that makes me think that he's as in control as he says that he is oh yeah for sure which like i it makes it actually more watchable in my opinion (laughs) 
<laughs> because to me, there is a comedy in the bravado of a man being like, I'm in control, but he's really not. And I feel like I see that in a lot of comedy movies. And you don't know if the writers or the character knows that they're really not as in control as they think. And I, yeah, that's one of the funny parts of this movie is that he's like spending all this time being like, yeah, this is how I have my system so I can sleep with all these women. And meanwhile, his sister is calling the women and telling on him and like trying to organize a confrontation. She wants to basically bring all of the women to the same party so they can all confront him. That's her grand plan. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and like, so it's like, he thinks he's in control, but he's not, but also he is getting away with it. He, yeah. He's getting away with things, but it's, it's just not as cool as he thinks that it is. Like even he's just like, I'm just trying to imagine being so insecure that you need to have your friends in the car while you do like conquest. Like it just seems sad and they seem sad for liking him and it just keeps on getting sadder. And then when he, when he goes to see the white woman, Amber, who like does the role playing thing and she calls him like Mandingo, then I just started to feel bad for him because like this man <laughs> yeah no I honestly was like this man is not okay like because the thing is it would feel different if I felt like all of the female characters were like in love with him and thought that they were you know a couple like if all of them were kind of on the Lisa tip where they all think that they're serious and it's not that I don't feel bad for the women I do because obviously there's you know the way that they're being talked about and treated is incredibly misogynist but I think one of the funny things about the movie is that it doesn't realize that women do just like to have sex sometimes and like he could just tell them that he wants to have sex with different people <laughs> like and most of the women he's hooking up with it seems to me they just want to have sex so there's this weird thing where he's trying to prove something to himself but his conception of femininity is very limited and then it gets to a point where he himself is being used like when he has sex with the racist white woman it's like oh shit okay there's a lot of layers here yeah it's not it, it starts getting weird then and that's like the only time that i am on the same side as his friends because they're just like what is what is he doing i don't i don't know about all that sir <laughs> oh yeah they're like oh yeah no i would not and one of the running things is that he will tell his friends about the sex and there's a lot of different role play with different women and costumes and the whole nine yards and his friends are very into the fact that he's having sex with a lot of women, but they're very weirded out by the fact that he's creative, which is interesting. Like, there's this fear there. Like, they're like, oh, I wouldn't put on a costume. I wouldn't do any of these things. But then they wonder, why am I not as successful with women? And I think really one of the things with Dre, it's not just him knowing how to, like, be smooth or be handsome. It's like, he is open to exploring sex. And these women are like, oh, cool. He's down with what I want to do. Yeah. 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 He's Which I realize the way I'm talking makes it sound like I'm like really on his side, which is not true. I'm just like that's something that I noticed. Well, he I mean, to his credit, he is the kind of guy who he's not going to say no to a lot of shit. Like he's not going to be like, "Oh no, I'm not going to lick your pussy. Oh no, I'm not going to do that." Like he's going to fucking do it. And he's going to do it with a fucking smile on his face. And in that regard, like that is charming unfortunately like 
You don't have to lie about it. You can just be this guy. You don't have to do right. That, that was my thought. I was like, just don't be in a monogamous relationship. Just be a single guy who hooks up with multiple people. Like, because I wouldn't even, because I definitely wouldn't say polyamory is what's happening either. He's not trying to have relationships. He just wants to hook up. So it doesn't make sense to me that he has Lisa. It just feels like this fear, almost like I need to have an anchor woman. That's kind of the feeling. It's like, I need to have an anchor woman so that if any of the other women I'm hooking up with fall off, I know I always have someone. Uh, And that, that to me doesn't even feel about sex. That feels like that's where his emotional needs maybe are that he might not be admitting to himself yeah yeah he just seems so (laughs) yeah i love how deep we're going on this (laughs) he he seems so scared so scared of intimacy and so scared of like facing the truth about himself like when he goes to see his mom and his mom is like where's lisa it's just such an interesting thing because it's like from his mom's perspective he's just in a loving relationship and meanwhile he's like he has all of these rules and like regulations and it just it's almost a point where lisa doesn't even really know him and he's always doing like weird shit like near the end where like you think he's about to get caught cheating and he (laughs) he just like curls up in bed with a picture of her and i was just like what a fucking weirdo yeah, I mean, like, all that I hear from all of this is, you know, uh, there's the obvious, okay, you don't trust women. Um, so you don't trust women enough to communicate with them. So you create games to keep them at bay or to feel like you have power over them. Um, and you also don't believe that women can want the same things as you, which could be casual sex. But beyond that, I also think it's an element of like, he does not feel comfortable being vulnerable in any way. So he creates these boundaries and these games, like rather than just saying, just saying what he wants <laughs> like that. That's what I, and I see his friends are all even less um, willing to be vulnerable because they're like, well, we don't even want to do sex things that might make us feel silly. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's a masculinity question, right? Yeah. It's like, I just, I just felt bad for all these men, but what's, what's incredible um, is when they get to the party. So, so Jenny is like, okay, I'm going to get like all of these different women that he's sleeping with to come to the same party. And I, it's like, and it's as an experiment. So it's, She's going to create a hostile environment and see how, like, he adapts if he can get over it. And, of course, you know, he he is he is able to somehow maneuver it. But one one of his strategies backfires on him in a way that I find so funny. And it's that so he goes up. His whole thing is you go up to the nerdiest girl at the party. You treat her really well. And then other women see that you do that and then they'll want to have sex with you and it works except that like this girl this nerdy girl nikki is amazing my favorite character (laughs) oh i loved her so much nikki seemed like the one person at the party who was actually having fun like she was just straight up vibing she's like she's dancing on people she's she's just having fun she's being herself she's not really worried about who's looking at her 
Um, and you know, the movie of course is framing her as the nerdiest girl, but I still was like, she's super cute and fun. I would totally like want to hang out with her. She's so cool. She just has, she just has glasses and a kind of unfortunate hairstyle. And she's just a little, she's just like a little gawky. She's just like a little nerdy, but she's super like (laughs) when, when he starts dancing with her and she does, she starts doing the robot and he hates that. And I'm just like, this is a person who is having fun. How could you not like that? Isn't that the point of a party to have fun? Like what other purpose is there? This is a party. It's not it's not a birthday. It's not a funeral. It's just a fun party. Have fun. If you don't want to have like and also like you created this rule for yourself. That's one of the funniest things to me is watching him create rules and then resent them. Yeah. Because he's like, why is my life so stressful? I'm like, because you made it stressful by just like lying all the time. What are you doing, sir? All the time. And so, you know, it works and he gets the attention of a of a quote unquote hotter woman. And but then Nikki comes back and Nikki is all horned up and she wants to go. And she takes him to the closet and like she's just like, I'm ready to get laid and like It's just, okay, so the whole reason why you're at this party is to get laid. And she wants to fuck you right now. And you don't want to do it because she's nerdy? (laughs) I, okay, I was also like, a guy with his philosophies would absolutely fuck her. He just wouldn't tell his friends about it because of, like, his arbitrary rules. But he would absolutely have sex with her. I do not believe that for a minute that he would be like, I'm repulsed. Like, this man is having sex like four times a day with different people. He obviously has a very high, like, tolerance. I don't know how else to put it. I'm like, is it a need? I'm not sure for him. Like, I do not believe that drinking at this party, he would not have sex with her when she propositions him. Yeah, I was just like, and also he is with plenty of other women who are just as sexually aggressive as she is. Right, so it's not even that. (laughs) It's just like he just specifically wants to have sex with like a light-skinned girl, like really any light-skinned girl in the room a lot of the time, like with the the exception of like a couple. It's like very, (laughs) and it's just, you know, whatever, it's... Yeah, no, totally. (laughs) I I was just like, I don't like it's supposed to be, you know, the shenanigan scene where he's like escaping this woman that wants to have sex with him after he flirted with her. And I'm just like, okay, again, you could just say no. Like instead you turn it into this weird like Houdini thing (laughs) where you're like escape artist. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah man like oh my god i can't believe that we've said this much about the movie because like really like when you really get down to it not a lot happens it's just like a lot of people like going through like severe emotional stress over shit that really doesn't matter (laughs) oh yeah like it's a movie that like while i was watching it i was like okay so there's really nothing happening because The whole plot is he fucks a lot of women and then his sister is organizing this party. That's it. Like, that's really it. Um, And so I 
while I was watching, there were points where I almost felt confused because I was like, surely I have missed something. I was, I kept being like, surely I missed like a plot thing. No. And then I'd get confused because there were so many characters that were fucking each other. I'd be like, wait, which character is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So this is the woman who's not married. Okay, cool. Um, like, I'm like, wait, okay. You switch to this other person you're fucking now. All right. And she likes this in bed. Okay. But like, I'm like, what is this adding to the story? I wish I knew more about her. Um, so it it is really fascinating. We've said this much because plot wise, there's so little that happens. Like it could be a 10 minute thing. Like this could this, be a short film. This could be like even a Death Jam could, eight minute. Like <laughs> this could be like a two part music video. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like one of them's about like the player, he's on top, he's with all the women. And then the second part is like, oh no, the player is going to get tripped up. And I, and I don't know who would, who the rapper would be at the time, maybe like Mace or something like Mace was, yeah, I feel like 97 Mace. I listened to a lot of Mace, I think in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I feel like Mace would be very, like a very good pick. So yeah, it's just, (laughs) it's, like he does get caught in the end but it's this weird thing where it's like Jenny is upset the entire time and then as the runtime goes on like her friend Katrina like becomes more and more of an apologist for Dre and like openly thirsts after him and it's just like man girl get a new friend this girl sucks (laughs) for reals and like one of the funniest things about the Jenny plot line is after all of this anger Basically, she's fine because a handsome guy hits on her at the party. Like, a handsome guy is just like, hey. And she's like, oh. And, like, there's this close-up of her face. (laughs) And incredible comedic acting in this moment. Like, the amount of thirst that was on her face when this man was like, would you like to go dance or have a drink? Like, I was like, she just wet the whole room. And, like, that's, like, the last time we see Jenny. Like, she's like, my work has, I've done my work and now I can go have sex. <laughs> well, it's just like she, like, in the movie's idea of her is just that, oh, she's so bitter because Mike dumped her and now there's another guy and she has no reason to be invested in any of this anymore. <laughs> right. Like, she doesn't have, it's not possible to want to have sex or date and also have values. <laughs> Like there's like, it's just like, well, when, you know, once, once you uh, start kissing on someone then you forget about all the other things, I mean, that sounds nice, but that's not how it really works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, Katrina and Dre finally do fuck. And then he thinks, oh, I got away with it. Like, and like Katrina, like sneaks out and everything. And he's just like, <sighs> and then, but then you find out that she like she she writes something on the wall um like in lipstick and i guess like i well i guess it really doesn't matter what it says is the fact that it's written in lipstick which means which signifies a woman was here that was not me <laughs> yeah exactly i i also i kind of love that trope not not necessarily how it was utilized here but the idea of women writing with lipstick like it's such a thing in movies and I think it's just because visually it's interesting to see I would never waste my lipstick on that 
No, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna waste a whole stick of lipstick. It doesn't matter if I got the lipstick for free. I'm still not wasting it on that. So, like, yeah. if I ever did that, that would be serious business. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. I can't imagine unless it was a lipstick that I hated, and I was like, oh, it doesn't matter if I have this anymore. Yeah, but exactly. She, I don't know. And like, what does he learn? Or is there a lesson? Oh, I don't feel like there is. I mean, I feel like there's kind of supposed to be, but I also feel like the movie doesn't really want to be a moral, a morality tale. It's mostly like shenanigans. Um, like when I think about, you know, recommending something, I just keep thinking about music videos. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like I keep thinking like- about like Big Punisher, like... <laughs> Okay, you know, like, okay. I don't want to be a player. <laughs> like, I like <laughs> I okay, I picked the correct music video that people should watch. You should watch the music video for the 50 Cent classic PIMP, the remix with Snoop Dogg and the Pimp Legion of Doom. Yeah. And you will you will walk away with from that with more art in your heart than from this film. Absolutely. 100%. So thank you so much for listening and enduring my high ranting. And Um, you don't seem like you don't seem high or not in a bad way. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thanks anyway. Um, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas. You should give us a five star review for Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. We appreciate your support. You can pledge to our Patreon if you so choose. And you can follow us on Twitter at Bad Romance Pod. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. Bye. Bye. Bye.